0: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store
1: to make the switch today. Welcome back. You know who it is. Youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham, here with you on the fan until 4 o'clock on this beautiful Saturday afternoon in our nation's capital. Joining me right now, on the BetQL guest hotline, BetSmart to beat the books, download the BetQL app today, is former Commanders tight end Logan Paulson. And Logan, we're going to celebrate you here on the show. My man just got a new gig. Is going to be the sideline reporter for NBC Sports Washington's Washington Commanders preseason coverage. What's going on, big fella?
2: <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Not much, man. Just excited to be talking some football.
1: Me too, man. We've been talking a bunch of Dan Snyder stuff. We've been talking Juan Soto. The boys are back at camp, though, Logan. I was uh, texting one of the mem- one of the uh, fellows on the beat earlier this morning. I was a little bit frustrated. I was out there for three straight days, Logan. I didn't see one two-minute or red zone period, and then boom, the first day I'm not out there, they do that. How do they look during that period? Yeah, man, I think uh, I think they look
2: better than they looked the first three days. I'm talking about the offense now. I think they did some really good stuff. I think the one thing that kind of is glaringly uh, consistent over the first three days is when the protection was not there. The defensive coverage is really, really good because they have the timing down with the rush in a nice way, and so that's something that's slightly concerning. But I think it's important to note that you know Charles Leno, um, Chase Rullier, uh Trey Turner are out right now. Uh, Trey Turner's got a side injury. I think uh, Charles has taking a vet day. So obviously they're kind of doing uh, you know mix and match pieces on the offensive line, and it leads to some issues. It was much better than it was uh, two days ago when it was not very good at all. So it is kind of trending in the right direction. But when that protection on the offensive line is not good, um, the offense is not good. I will say the, the young tight ends look very solid today. Ah, uh, Cole Turner had a touchdown catch, and I think that's what, in a way, that's going to be speaks to his skill set. And what I mean by that, kind of attacking the Mike linebacker deep, like kind of a jump ball at the goal post in the middle of the end zone. Great job, Curtis Hodges. Same thing. Had a timing touchdown too later in practice. Those two guys showed up in a nice way today. Um, Jahan Dotson uh, had a kind of a rough day, but did make a nice catch in the red zone. One of the nicest catches I've seen in camp thus far. Just really silky smooth with his hands. And another thing that's kind of concerning is Carson Wentz and Terry McLaurin don't seem to be quite on the same page, and this makes the fourth day in a row.
1: Yeah, that's something that's uh, going to be something to watch as camp moves forward. Obviously, Carson had them down there in Florida for Camp Carson to try to get a leg up uh, on that chemistry building. But uh, I agree with you. As you mentioned, the first couple days, they haven't been uh, very much on the same page. Somebody who's popped a little bit the last two days. I know we had a nice day. Yesterday with the long ball, and then I heard again today he was uh, making plays out there again. Second-year wide receiver diami Brown is starting to become more comfortable in learning what it is to be an NFL wide receiver. What have you seen from him so far?
2: Yeah, in the two-minute period, De'Ami had a really nice catch today. I mean, I think yesterday, yesterday and today, really nice catches. And uh, I got a deep ball down the middle. I think yesterday he had one where he kind of snatched. Like, Kendall Fuller was in perfect position. There was a little bit of contact. And he, like, jumped over him. And I don't know how he caught the football, but an amazing catch. And today was a little bit more open, kind of using his route running nuance, and made it an outstanding catch. So, yeah, it kind of showed up, which is great, because you know he was a guy that was kind of much maligned during OTAs and minicamps. So two, kind of, and again, like it's two plays, but again, it speaks to something that he wasn't doing in OTAs and minicamps. Like when I'm doing those evaluations or so those practices in OTAs and minicamps, I'm trying to see who's making plays. And he just was a guy who consistently was not doing that. So it's really nice to see him over the last two days doing some really, really nice things and it gets you encouraged about kind of um, about him and his role within this offense. Cam Sims had a nice catch uh, in the field in two minute. Again, in two minutes, they quiet the rush down a little bit, right. which is something important to note. So that period looked really effective for the offense, which is which is something that is significant for sure.
1: Logan, something I was uh, talking about with somebody off the record was you know this Washington Commanders defensive line is very good. It's well, er, well documented the talent and resources that they've invested in that group up front. You're a former player, Logan, so you know this, and you're an offensive player. How frustrating is it probably from the coaching staff standpoint, and they don't even have pads on yet, Logan, when this defensive line gets pads on, how is the offensive line supposed to get a good look if they're constantly blowing things up?
2: Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Um, I mean, the past two days it's been, I don't want to say alarming, but it has been concerning how, effective that group has been. Now, Jack Del Real's done an outstanding job bringing pressure packages in certain situations, specifically the move the ball periods, which tend to be the defensive coordinator's kind of prerogative on the call. They did have a blitz period today. In those blitz looks, the offensive line does have time to prep those looks, and that was a little bit sharper for the offensive line. It is important to note, though, that, like, if you're going into a week of practice or going into a, a game prep against an opponent, you do prep all these blitz looks, and they're not really doing that right now, and, uh, ron mentioned that in his pressure yesterday you know they're not prepping all these blitz looks in the move the ball period which is there's a little bit of truth to that so i think that's important i also think just kind of the the flux on the offensive line is a big deal you know courtier lucas not being out there is a huge deal just from a depth standpoint because you're playing people who haven't played a ton of football in this scheme you're moving guys around to accommodate him all of a sudden you got um sadiq charles playing uh Left tackle. You've got Chris Paul like starting at guard. You've got Wes Schweitzer rotating in at center and guard, and so no one's kind of settled, and everybody's playing different spots. Chris Paul played tackle yesterday, and so obviously, you know that that is difficult when you never have the same kind of five guys working together as a group. And a little bit of that's a depth issue. You know, they had some tackles in for a workout yesterday. I think that's a smart move just to kind of test the waters and see what's out there, just in case uh, this thing with uh, this thing with. Um, the, the what's the swing tackle name? I just Corny said the name. Lucas, Lucas. Yeah, yeah, Cornelius Lucas. If he's not back, you got to kind of have have a have an emergency uh, emergency parachute uh, for that situation.
1: Joining me right now on the BetQL Guest Hotline, Bet Smarter, Beat the Books. Download the BetQL app today. Is former Commanders tight end Logan Paulson? He has been out at Commanders training camp, paying attention with a keen eye on certain position groups. Logan, somebody who stood out to me in my time that I've been out there, is third-year linebacker. I believe this is his fourth year, either one. Young linebacker, Khalid Cutson from Michigan, somebody who was really a tweener uh, at the collegiate level. He's coming here, and you mentioned those blitz periods. He's been somebody that Jack Dorio has been sending on a regular basis, and he's done a nice job sifting through traffic and making some plays. What have you seen from him, and do you expect to learn more about him when the pads come on?
2: Yeah, I do. I think he's a guy that plays that, that tends to flash when the pads come on. He's, a, he's got a physical mindset, physical skill set, and you know I, he's done a great job. Like in OTAs, but he did a great job. Very consistent. He mentioned his blitzing ability. Love that. I love the way he pursues the football. This offense throws a lot at you from a pre-snap motion standpoint. He handles that really well. The other guy that deserves uh, credit for today is Jaden. You know they, he did a really nice job today. in Coverage matched up with backs, um, reading runs, making nice fits. There was a situation where they were in quarters. Ah, uh, running back uh, runs across the formation, and, and when, so in, in empty uh, quarters, kind of plays like man to man. So Jamin ended up man to man on uh, Cam Sims and was able to stay step for step with him. So that just speaks to his athleticism. And then a the guy that I, you know, I think that whole linebacking group. You know, everyone talks about the depth issues, but those first four guys, you know, Mayo, you know, is, is somewhat limited athletically, but shows up consistently in terms of being where he's supposed to be. He's a great blitzer. He understands coverage concepts really well, yep. and it's just going to be solid. So those four dudes, you know, um, Cole, Jamin, uh, Mayo, and Kaley Hudson, have done a really, really nice job. I think the battle to keep an eye on is, you know, um, who's the fifth guy in that group because there's some young guys with some athleticism there to keep an eye on. But yeah, that whole linebacker group they've done a really nice job on these first four days for sure.
1: Logan, I will switch things over to the offensive side of the football here, and specifically quarterback Carson Wentz. Uh, In my assessment of him through the first uh, couple days, it's been up and down. One thing I did notice, uh, when Carson gets the ball out of his hands quickly, good things happen. When he understands and sees things properly and gets it out, uh, good things tend to happen. Obviously, we're only four days into training camp, but what have you seen so far from his growth with, with, with the timing aspect with the receivers and, and et cetera through the first four days?
2: Yeah, so the re- one of the reasons I brought up the protection to start off this conversation is because I think that's maybe the most significant issue with Carson Wentz right now. During OTAs and minicamp, really clean pockets, a lot of time to throw. The minicamp rolls around. Jack's like, let's heat it up a little bit. Let's see what happens. And Carson Wentz production really took a dive, right? And so the defense has kind of kept that same aggressive for, uh, blitz philosophy during the first four days of uh, – of uh training camp and you know i mentioned how the offensive line's kind of been in flux in terms of guys up and guys down and they're moving people around which is always difficult and so for the last two days it's been really really challenging for the offense to do anything because the production's been so poor and so again like people say oh you can't hit the quarterback but it's really hard to make a read when there's a guy a free runner right in your face so i do think that's part of the reason why um why carson's looked a little bit unsettled Another reason why it's a little bit unsettled is the back end of the defense. Cam Curl, mm-hmm. Bobby McCain, uh, William Jackson III, and Kendall Fuller have done a really, really, really nice job. Benjamin St. Juice in there too. They have done a really nice job from a coverage standpoint. That rush, the coverage, married up really nice. There's not a lot of space during OTAs. Ton of space. Guys getting wide open. Everyone was touting how good of a route runner Jahan is. Big, and, and the defense is kind of adapting to him now, and I think that's really cool. So. Um, again, the, the defense is doing really nice work, and it's kind of flustering Carson, and I think that that's part of the reason why he hasn't looked great. Those are the things that you see on tape when he was at Indy. Those are the things you see on tape when he was in uh, Philadelphia. Pressure does not do well for Carson Wentz in terms of his decision-making process, and I think that the, the, the back end of this defense has done a nice job not giving him easy throws to get the ball out of his hand versus pressure. So it's really, credit goes to the defense in terms of making Carson look um, a little unsettled, quite frankly, over the first four days of trading camp.
1: Uh, a positive note on Carson that I saw yesterday specifically, and, and this I kind of hit on it earlier, Logan. Having a veteran quarterback, you know, there's certain things that aren't going to show up in the stat sheet that, that he does really well pre-snap. Um, I think one, one thing that's really stood out to me is his cadence and, and how he's used his cadence to to get, you know, the the defense to tip their hands. Yesterday there was a play. Uh, where he got them to tip their hands and Jamin Davis showed that he was coming and Jahan Dotson replaced him right behind him. Carson able to make an off-platform throw from a difficult arm angle and and being able to replace the guy quickly. Uh, Talk about how important it is and and how important cadence could be and how important do you expect it to be going into the year?
2: Yeah, I mean, cadence is a huge part of playing the quarterback position. And, uh, you know, like, like you said there, one of the things I remember when I played with Kirk Cousins is he was compulsive about his cadence because Drew Brees, Tom Brady, they're compulsive about their cadence because you can use it as a weapon um, to, to kind of tip the defense's hand like you mentioned. And in that case, you were talking about a blitz specifically, but you can also use it to tip coverage shell, right? Because right. if the defense thinks you're going to snap the football, they're going to show you their hand. And I will say that this defense has done a nice job over the first couple of days of being very – disciplined in their disguises and and adjusting to concepts in a nice way. And so sometimes you can use cadence as a tool to help you kind of tip what the defense is doing in addition to formation, in addition to motion. All those things are very, very critical in that category. And you mentioned some things that Carson has done well. And again, you see, uh, you know, people have harped on the arm strength kind of a lot this offseason, but you see it. It shows up consistently. Mm -hmm. You mentioned uh, Diami and how he's had these two explosive plays. Terry had an explosive play on the first day. Uh, Jahan had made a catch today on a laser beam football in the red zone That not many people can make that throw. So I just I want to point out that you know he has struggled a little bit, but he is a very very physically gifted guy. It's just about whether he can settle in, whether the offensive coordinator Scott Turner can come up with solutions for some of these pressure issues and put him in the best situation to be successful. uh, You know, and allow him to kind of use some of his veteran savvy to make this offense go.
1: Training camp, Logan is a big opportunity and time for guys to make themselves known in position battles. Something that I've been. Uh, paying a keen eye to is the position battle at defensive end opposite Montez Sweat. Who's flashed in that spot thus far through the first four days?
2: I mean, obviously the guy who's kind of been holding the phone is James James. Williams. He's been Mr. Steady Eddie. Um, And I think the guy that flashes kind of consistently is Casey Tuho. You know, I think people think of him in a very specific way, but he is a very twitched-up athlete, and that shows up. Like, they ran a couple zone reads today, and Casey is meeting the back and the quarterback at the mesh point because his get off is so good, and obviously you know he, he's a little lighter than those other guys, but from a jumping, sprinting that kind of metric standpoint, very very impressive. FA Obata's done an excellent job over over these last two days. A Couple batted balls, he's kind of come alive during OTAs and minicamp. I was like, what's this guy's role in this defense? But he's kind of he seems to kind of have flipped the switch and is playing much more much harder. And I think those two guys are doing a really nice job in that backup role and kind of are putting the test in that. they saying, you know, I deserve an opportunity for this position opposite uh, Montez. But, you know, it's good to see that they have nice depth because I think that was a concern coming into training camp. Obada stepping up, 2 looking nice, and James Smith-Williams has just been, uh, again, very consistent in the run game, very solid in the pass game. Nothing too flashy, but a guy you feel very, very comfortable starting.
1: Logan, go into a little bit more detail about this. Something I've noticed uh, early on in camp is – Yes, the defense is having to respect Carson Wentz in the deep ball, and it's not always about him throwing that deep ball. Something that I've noticed, it's really opened up stuff underneath, and guys like Brian Robinson has really showed off his hands. Somebody who only caught 52 balls in five seasons at Alabama has shown nice, soft hands. The guy you love a lot, uh, Cole Turner, has been able to take advantage of the open underneath coverage. J.D. McKissick as well. Explain a little bit more about how you expect them to attack defenses during the year, and and, and Carson, not somebody who's known for hitting the check down, but he's been willing to do it thus far in camp.
2: Yeah, I think uh, that's something that's always important for fans to understand. The more vertical stress you can place on a defense, the more horizontal space you create, and I think that that's something that, again, just Carson walking out of a tunnel before the game gives you. right. You watched games last year, you have – guy sitting on comebacks by Terry. You guys, I'm not respecting his vertical speed. The field feels so small because they don't have to push anything deep. Now, all of a sudden, you walk out there, and there's grass. There's available, there's available grass. Yeah. I think my one kind of uh, concern or frustration is they've done a good job creating space underneath. But oftentimes, there's not, a, like, there's not a place for him to go with the football. Carson to go with the football when that deep stuff is covered, right? There's a ton of grass underneath, but they haven't done a good job of kind of thinking about, okay, now we've got this dagger concept over here. What happens if they cover it? Do we have anything kind of coming into his vision, Carson Wentz, that he can get the ball to quickly? And that's something that I think that as this offense evolves, as this offseason evolves, they can kind of pin that down a little bit and just make this offense a little bit more effective because, again, they've got fast guys. They've got guys, receivers, with great physical skill sets. And I think that... um I think that that's something that, to keep an eye on moving forward is how this offense evolves having this vertical passing threat kind of always available to you.
1: Logan, one more football specific question here for you. I want to reset things here. Joining me right now on the BetQL guest hotline, BetSmart to beat the books. Download the BetQL app. Today is former Commanders tight end Logan Paulson. He's been out at Ashburn at the park. Is that what they're calling it, Logan? The park?
2: I don't know what they're calling it. I just call it like <laughs> the. Uh, You know, I just say the thing in aspirin is what I call it (laughs) now. Commanders
1: HQ, Logan's been out there for the first four days of practice. You talked about, to me off the record a little bit, William Jackson not having the best spring, period. You mentioned earlier he's bounced back here nicely. The big thing thing that I saw from him yesterday was just – I got to speak to him, actually. Talking about his technique and how much more comfortable he is, what have Mm. you seen specifically from William Jackson and his improvement from the spring to now?
2: yeah man you know quite frankly i was a little concerned during okays in minicamp i wasn't really sure how he was settling in and then you know a quarterback is a position defined by confidence but it's also defined by like you mentioned technique pre-snap alignment all those variables that are so important so i think that um you know he's looked Much more confident, much more in rhythm with the defense. Like, one of the things I watch when I watch DBs, I've never played DB, obviously. I'm a 270 pound blocking tight end. But one of the things, even when I was playing, I'd watch, you know, when I was watching DBs, is how excited or calm their feet are. And, excited feet for a DB is not necessarily a good thing because it shows that they're kind of nervous. And in OTAs, his feet were so unsettled all the time. And I was like, man, he just isn't comfortable. And that player, those feet, those excited feet have calmed down tremendously. He looks like he understands concepts better. He looks, understands, he he understands how to work within the context of the defense a little bit better. And, And I, you know, like I'm, there's a lot of training camp left to go still, but I'm very impressed with him over the first four days. And I think, fans should be feeling much more confident in what he's going to bring to the 2022 campaign.
1: Logan, obviously uh, you got to play with Ryan Kerrigan for a couple of years. Have you actually, have you seen the Twitter video that NBC Four Washington put out of you back when you had your luscious locks out there? Uh, they, caught you, <laughs> they caught you in training camp down in Richmond talking about Ryan Kerrigan. Uh, but I bring that up to say, obviously you were lucky enough to get to play with Ryan Kerrigan. Uh, what were some of the things you were able to learn from him? And then where do you think he goes down as one of the best, Washington Redskins of the 2000s.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I was able to go over and kind of be there for the uh, for the you know the one day contract thing, and talked to him a little bit yesterday. And uh, you know, he is one of the you know obviously he's one of the best football players this organization has seen in the last 50 years. But he's also one of the best human beings that I've ever been around during my time playing. He's a guy that is just the uh, of the highest moral character a guy that is totally committed to the game and did everything the right way. And I mean everything. And so for him to kind of have the career that he had and, um, you know, just watch his journey, watch him grow. Because I was there. His rookie year was my second year. And we bashed our heads together for five years after that. And so we became pretty good buddies. And just just a quality human being, excellent football player, and uh, so happy for him and his career. And I, I think he's, like I said, I think he's one of the best football players that's gone through this organization. In a long time, you know, holds a sack record, um, holds a 4 fumble record, all those things. And, again, it's just a testament to him and his work and his uh, and his passion for the game, man. And, um, again, couldn't happen to a, a better human being.
1: I appreciate you giving us some time, Logan. Logan has went from the football field to the booth to the sideline. He's also got a, pod- a podcast on Odyssey called Take Command, giving you exclusive Washington Commanders coverage. You can download that. Wherever you get your podcast, him and Craig Hoffman do a nice job with that. Who's coming up this week?
2: Oh, uh, we're actually trying to get Ryan character on Monday, so check that out. Aha!
1: Love it, love it. Perfect and on time. Logan, appreciate you giving us some time, and uh, stay cool, my friend. Yeah, thanks, brother. And I'll see you out there next week or what? Yes, sir. I'll see you Monday. Is that the first day of pads, Absolutely. Logan? Winter Can you break Sports. some news? Is that the first day of pads?
2: I think so. I think it, they do, they're doing four days of uh, acclamation, and then pads will be on uh, Monday. I think, but they, they're playing that close to the vest, and so else you never know.
1: <laughs> Hopefully, they keep everything close to the vest. His offense has got <laughs> some new weapons, and I want to see it look very good when the regular season comes. Appreciate you, Logan.
2: Yeah, appreciate it. All thanks, buddy.
1: Logan Paulson, former Commanders tight end, and the co-host of the Take Command podcast, a Odyssey exclusive giving you the latest on the Washington Commanders. He hosts that with Craig Hoffman, and you can catch an episode of that pretty much every week. They do a really good job with that. The last uh, episode, I believe, that I caught, uh, former Redskin tight end Jordan Reed joined the program, and Logan Paulson and Craig Hoffman doing just a nice job picking his brain, and obviously Jordan, one of the most talented young men to ever come through uh, this franchise, just the injury stuff really, really was something that was difficult for him. Once again, big thanks to Logan Paulson hopping on here with us. Got to take a quick time out. When we come back, we'll continue to dive in and take a spin around the rest of the National Football League. Today is back to football Saturday. They got an NFL Network special going on right here. I'm looking at it right now. They are live out at Broncos camp. They're also live at every National Football League training camp around the NFL We'll look at some of the major headlines from training camp this week when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Ride with me.
4: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state
1: law. Want to give a big shout-out to Logan Paulson, former Commander's tight end, joining me in that last segment, getting to pick his brains, talking all Things Commanders as they just wrapped up their first week of training camp practice. Leno Willingham here with you on the fan for about another hour and a half on this Saturday afternoon here in our nation's Capital Nats baseball for you here tonight on the fan. I think they've got a 7-10 first pitch. The Cardinals in town. They're about to play the second game of that series. I believe it wraps up tomorrow and Nats fans I know probably are going to be deep in attendance because this could potentially be the final time we see Juan Soto playing a Nationals game, I mean playing in a Nationals jersey here at home from Nats Park. So I know uh a lot of fans expected to be out at the ballpark because of that potential uh speculation in the 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 sense that you know he may be traded. Uh, we'll talk about more of that in the 3 o'clock hour. Joining me at 3.30, the Twitter account, the owner of the Twitter account that tracks Dan Snyder's yacht will hop on here with us and hopefully tell us where the hell Dan Dan the man is. I don't even want to call him Dan Dan the man. I only call Dan Danny Ruye Dan Dan. So my apologies to Danny Ruye putting you in the same company as Daniel Weirdo Pervert Snyder. All right now, though, I'm to take a spin around the National Football League and... As I mentioned before we took the break, they're doing the back-to-football special uh, on NFL Network. They're giving you live coverage all day. They got representatives from the network out at each training camp around the National Football League. And as we sit here, this is the final week of July, final weekend in July. Next week is August, and the pads are going to get popping around the NFL and training camp and competitions are going to be fierce around the league. One thing and one storyline heading into 2022 that I think a lot of people are paying attention to is the quarterback situations across the National Football League. There are a plethora of starting QBs right now in the NFL who are really on what we'll call their last leg. This is their make it or break it, prove it season, or else uh, their franchise could be potentially looking for uh, replacement options at that position. Talk about guys like Tua Tungavailoa in Miami, you talk about Carson Wentz right here in our backyard. Here in Washington, talk about Daniel Jones with the New York Giants. Uh, Baker Mayfield now in Carolina with the Panthers. If I'm missing any, if I'm missing any, just remind me, Denton. No, I mean I think you've hit on hit on most of them.
3: I mean, you know, I just tried to yeah, I
1: just tried to commit swatting flies, first degree thing. murder on this fruit fly in here. It's uh, it's getting unchy right now in the studio. The fruit fly problem is is back. We have to deal with that here at the fan. But, yeah, nonetheless, the quarterback situations around the National Football League is interesting. I, I rattled off some of the names of the guys that are really on their last leg, and we were talking about it during the break then. And like, who do you think has the best opportunity to come out of this thing as their franchise is going to... <laughs> you, you good bro like it's flying on the mic cover and like that's very close to my mouth just eat it huh. i heard fruit flies are great in protein wow yeah they, they won't be eating any fruit flies but yeah basically wanted to ask you denton what you thought about this which quarterback do you think has the opportunity or or, or is most likely to prove their team right and say, like, I'm going to be the guy moving forward. You don't have to go out and look for any options at the quarterback position after 2022. Well, the easy one for me is the guy that I don't even know should really be
3: on this list. Uh, I think two is in a good spot. You know, I think the first couple of years in Miami, that organization had a lot of dysfunction, which was put on display earlier in this offseason that a lot of us have just kind of forgotten about. Still under investigation. Yeah, by the I way. have not forgotten about that. <laughs> But I think the organization was still very much – they had like one foot in the door of the Tom Brady sweepstakes because they were trying to get him and Sean Payton there. Now that that's not the case, I think Tua's in a really good spot. They've surrounded him with weapons. That can make him successful in the first couple of years. It didn't seem like they were doing that. The transition between him and Fitz certainly didn't help him. But I think this year in particular, I think we're going to see the best of two with Bailoa. And I think this Dolphins offense is going to put up a lot of big numbers, specifically Jalen Waddle. I know everybody loves Tyreek Hill, but I've been on record saying I think Jalen Waddle is going to be one of the better wide receivers that we've ever seen out of Alabama. Putting him right up there with a guy like Julio Jones. So I'm excited for
1: Miami. Yeah, Miami is interesting, Denton, because, like you mentioned, they have done a really nice job, credit this front office, of surrounding him with talent. You know, going out and making the big swing, aggressive move uh, and trading for Kansas City, former Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver Tyreek Hill, adding him to this offense. They add Cedric Wilson from the Dallas Cowboys, a guy who was buried on their depth chart due to the, you know, immense depth and talent they had a wide receiver. I think Cedric Wilson is going to be somebody that comes in and uh, makes an impact for Miami as well. And then they got one of the better tight ends in football in Mike Giuseppe. So, look, you can't say anything about the weapons that Miami has put around, To I think he's really got the most blatant, I don't even want to call it blatant, most straight-up, like, white or black situation. Like, either you're going to be good or you're not. It's not going to be hard to evaluate Tua Tungvaluwa this year because the weapons are there. Uh, as you continue to talk about guys like that, somebody I didn't mention uh, is Ryan Tannehill. Uh, Down there with the Tennessee Titans. And I know me and you are both very, very big fans of his backup uh, in Tennessee. Talking about rookie quarterback Malik Willis from Liberty, the home of Denton Day. Um, Denton, I I, I had gone on record before and told you, I think think Malik Willis is going to be the first rookie quarterback to start a football game this year. I know you've pushed back on that a little bit because of the Desmond Ritter situation in Atlanta. But Ryan Tannehill, I think, is 100% on the clock. In opposite of Tua Tungvaloa's situation down in Miami, I think it's the exact opposite for Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. I don't think they've done a good job putting the requisite uh, weapons around him in order for him to be successful. It's kind of like they're sort of banking on his failure. Well, they they traded away his favorite target.
3: yeah, And then Julio Jones, who it was like a hit or miss kind of deal thing. Well, it was a miss is what it was. I think from a timetable perspective, Like if you think about it, it would be better for the Titans offense in theory for Malik Willis to start this season because what you would do is maximize the amount of time that you have with Malik Willis and Derrick Henry playing together. Mm -hmm. And that should be the priority because we've seen it here in Washington. When RG3 and Alfred Morris played together, Alfred Morris had his best years. RG3 had his best years. Well, we know Derrick Henry doesn't need anybody else to be the best running back in football, but if you have that other threat on offense uh, uh, in terms of mobility, and Malik Willis we certainly know is that, you can let him catch up when it comes to some of like the nuanced things that come with playing quarterback, but utilize that mobility, utilize that rocket arm that he has, and team that with Derrick Henry and you could look at an offense that's going to mow through a very, very weak AFC South division.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with pretty much everything you just said there. One thing that I think is forgotten about the Tennessee Titans, and this is kind of to the credit of Ryan Tannehill, they were the number one seed in the AFC uh, a season ago for most of the season. I don't did they end up finishing as the number one seed? I'm, I'm, no, I'm I don't it. think they did. But for most of the season, they, they were the number one seed. They ended up. They obviously. I had that horrendous output in the postseason against the eventual AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. But, you know, their roster interests me because they, they're they one of the groups that's done a nice job drafting Jim. John Robinson has, has done a really nice job since he's taken over there uh, in Tennessee. And I think they've got one of the best head coach, general manager combinations of the National Football League, both from a football X's and O standpoint and a who I wouldn't want to get into an alley fight with. Mike Vrabel's Mike Mike Brable's a freaking madman and John Robinson's no small person himself. I uh, do want to correct us they were the top seed in the AFC last year 12 and 5. Yep, cuz yeah, the Raiders, uh the, the Bengals beat the Raiders in the wild card round then advanced on to take on uh Tennessee. So yeah. Like it, it, it speaks volumes about the roster that they've created because they were able to be the number 1 seed missing their best player for a large chunk of the season. But look A lot of that had to do with the Tennessee defense. I I know damn well Ryan Tannehill wasn't the catalyst for why they were the number one seed in the AFC. We we saw it in the postseason. I mean, the guy just barfs all over himself in the biggest moments, holds on to the football too long, you name it. Uh, He's definitely somebody I think that's going to be unseeded very quickly. Um, We we were going through and mentioning some of the quarterbacks around the National Football League that are, quote-unquote, on their last leg heading into 2022, guys like Carson Wentz. Baker Mayfield, Ryan Tannehill, we just listed. Tua Vailoa potentially uh, down in Miami. I want to stick within the NFC East here and talk about Jalen Hurts. And he's on his last leg with the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think that situation a lot more comparable to the one in Miami because they have done an excellent job surrounding Jalen Hurts with weapons. As you mentioned, they go out and trade for A.J. Brown from the Tennessee Titans. I think he comes in here and, and helps solidify the receiving core uh, opposite uh, Devontae Smith. They've got guys, Jalen Rager apparently showed up to camp in great shape. Um, but the reports right now so far uh, out of Philadelphia is that Jalen Hurts has struggled mightily to start training camp. And it, it, it it's interesting to me because they have one of my favorite backups around the National Football League in Gardner Minshew. If you're Philadelphia, right, and the rest of this roster is ready to go, but Jalen Hurts is holding you back at the quarterback position. How ugly do things have to get for you before you go to Gardner Minshew?
3: I think the pressure is certainly on Jalen Hurts and, and maybe Gardner Minshew too because the quarterback draft coming up is a fruitful one. And this is a, a the kind of draft that I think quietly a lot of teams are going to tank for. It weirdly doesn't feel like Philadelphia themselves has ever been all the way in on Jalen Hurts like I've always found that to be very, very strange. I don't know what the reasoning is, but they've never seemed to be fully in on their guy despite the fact that he's clearly their guy and their best option. So this is going to be a really, really important season for the longevity of his career as a true starting quarterback. I'm not sure he's going to get the benefit of the doubt for whatever reason that some of these other guys uh, get when you think of a guy like a Baker Mayfield or some of these first-round picks. not lives if, like a cat. <laughs> right. I don't, I don't know if Jalen Hurts is going to get that Uh, That same benefit of the doubt with other teams. So his future is really going to be shaped by this upcoming year. And
1: it was interesting when they made the decision to draft uh, Jalen Hurts back in 2020. Executive Vice President Howie Roseman really shook things up there. A couple of years removed from Carson Wentz having an MVP type season. Obviously, everybody knows the story. He gets hurt. They go out and draft Jalen Hurts in the second round in a year where they really... Needed to bounce back and surround Carson Wentz with weapons to help his maturation process and growth and development. But there are people within this Philadelphia Eagles organization, Harry Roseman included, the scouts, you name them, they are in love with Jalen Hurts. And a lot of it, I know we hear people talk about what Jalen Hurts is the intangible stuff, the leadership ability, guys gravitating to him in the locker room, things like that, and the work ethic. But, dude, if you can't play quarterback, you can't play quarterback. I mean, you could be the best mentor there is. You you could be you know the, the best teammate there is. Look at look at Taylor Heineke. I mean, everybody loves Taylor Heineke here in Washington. He just can't damn do it. He doesn't physically have the gifts to play the position. Now Jalen Hurts. Somebody's questioning his physical ability to play the position. Is whether well or not his right arm is capable of making NFL throws on time in the structure of an offense. And, and, and I think it'll be interesting to see. And, and for Philadelphia, look well-documented what they did to this roster, upgrading it on both defense uh, and offense. But for the Eagles, this start to the season for them is no cakewalk. They're going Jalen hurts is going to be tested right away. And it's going to, they're going to find out right away, in my opinion, whether or not he is going to be the guy from them for them moving forward. They open up on the road against Dan Campbell and the kneecap biting Detroit lions. They're going to be on hard knocks by the way. And I am super, super excited to see that. Um, I think Hard Knocks should be kicking off not in this next week coming up, but the next week following they'll be able to get and use some of that footage that they've been out there recording this week in the opening week at camp. But, but nonetheless, they open up on the road against Detroit. Then after that, they're at home in their home opener in prime time. No easy feat, though. Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings coming to town. So they're going to be tested by that group. Then they come here week three, and our vaunted defense, hopefully, is going to have something for Jalen Hurts. So you're going to know right away whether or not Jalen Hurts is going to be your guy because look, it's a rough, rough start to the schedule and and the season, excuse me, uh, for Philadelphia. And I I was saying all that to say like when in their schedule is the proper point to maybe pull the trigger on on, on a guy like Gardner Minshew and allow him to take to take control of this team if they come out the gate struggling. And the more and more I look at it here, breaking down the schedule, I mean, it doesn't there's no real, like, super light spot in the schedule. Um, I know people here, or people in Philadelphia are probably looking at <laughs> when they play us, <laughs> saying that the schedule is going to be easy. But there's no real, like, smooth transition point. And, and for Philadelphia, man, like we've been mentioning the, the entire segment, make or break season for Jalen Hurts. And Howie Roseman's going to be under fire as well. He was the main guy, you know, standing on the table to go make this selection. I don't think. Uh, In 2020, when Philadelphia drafted Jalen Hurts, everybody in that organization was not completely ready to move on from Carson Wentz. And and the fact that they went out and did that and made that move, it it sure as hell better work out for you here because now you may have just wasted two or three seasons and burned a bridge with a guy in Carson Wentz, who by all accounts is a much better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. And how damned would the Philadelphia Eagles look and stupid would they look if Carson Wentz comes here and balls out this year in Washington – and then Jalen Hurts fizzles. But man, it'd be great if they look dumb,
3: wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, All right. Great content for us. <laughs> Watching the suffering of somebody else. We
1: don't get to do that very often around these parts. Yeah, our owner's no. been running from the feds. Literally, running from the feds. 3 30, we'll have Dan Snyder's Yacht Tracker, the official Twitter account, come on here uh, and talk about that stuff. We'll take a quick time out here on the other side of this break. Nels Quick Clips.
5: the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
1: Where is the fan? Linnell Willingham here with you on the fan. And if you're a regular listener to 106.7 The Fan, you know what this music means on an at's game day. It means it's a Fetty Wap Saturday here in our nation's capital. Eric Fetty, was set to get the start. Uh, but according to Jesse Doherty of the Washington Post, Palo Espino instead going to get the start for the Nationals. Eric Fetty a scratch today. Now, we're just a couple days away from the trade deadline here. I can only I can't help but to speculate, and we'll find out here. I'm, I'm assuming here in the coming seconds, has Eric Fetty been traded?
3: Here I was hoping I was gonna get to see the great Eric Fetty pitch today.
1: <laughs> I'm upset. Denton's got his uh, Juan Soto Nationals jersey jersey on. He's gonna go to the game uh, later later tonight. And like you said, you were hoping to see Eric Fetty. It would be something though if they traded away. I mean, am I going am I, am I am I saying anything wrong here when I say this? Denton, he's been the best pitcher on the Washington Nationals this year. Low bar, but I would say that he's the one that's cleared that bar. You know, like, it's it's been it's been tough sledding, obviously, uh, for the Nats, the worst team in the National League by far, one of the worst run differentials in baseball. But uh, just just broken the news, Jesse Doherty uh, announcing that he will not start today. It will be Paolo Espino on the bump instead in replacement in place of him. Uh, excuse me, and I don't know. We'll see. If they trade Eric Fetty, what are you looking at like here in this pitching staff moving forward? Like it, it's rough. You're looking at a whole lot of hopefuls, a whole lot of JoJo, a whole lot of Josiah Gray, who's been up and down in his first full season as a starter in the majors. We'll see if they can, uh, if they can continue, continue to get better. I mean, yeah, I'm frustrated. I'm already been frustrated today.
3: Just. And some other things that when it came to getting to the game, and now I don't get to see the legend Eric Fetty. What's up?
1: Well, don't tease us with that, Denton. Let me know.
3: What- yeah, what I tried to do. All right, so we work here, and this is a great building. It's a great establishment. But Dan, we <laughs> I have get to that pay out of the way park. first, all right? Yeah, we got to say the nice things before we come back around. We had to pay to park here, and it's nobody's fault that we deal with, right? right? Like I don't know whose decision it was to make us pay to park, but it's nobody that I've met here. So I want to make sure the people that I consider my boss. It's not on them, but damn, does it not feel good when you have to pay to come to work? So normally you pay $18 and I'm going to the baseball game today and there's a game day parking fee for our parking garage. Now during the week, there's a certain time slot where it transfers to game day parking. So like if you get here for your normal nine to five kind of gig, you're not paying to park as if you're going to a baseball game. Apparently that's not the case during the weekends because your boy over here tried to be a genius and loophole this whole thing, get here hella early. I got here at like 10.30. I was here <laughs> early as hell. I'm out there enjoying the farmer's market in front of the stadium and walking around seeing the water and all these Did you, nice did you get an empanada? Things. No, I got a cinnamon bun. It was like a 6 out of 5. Okay. Or 6.5 out of 10. I was about was, to say, well, it was good then. No, no, it was not good. <laughs> uh, it was good, not that good. But I get here, and I see the sign outside, and generally when you pay to park for a game day, it's $30. I don't know if the Cardinals are like something super special or or something all of a sudden. It's now $40 to park. So I got here nine and a half hours before the actual game starts, and I'm going to pay $40 to park. And I got to tell you what, if I'm paying $40 to park, the least the learners could do is pay Juan Soto $40 million per year. <laughs> I mean, if you're coming for my yeah. pocket, I should be coming for yours. I don't even know if they own capital parking or whatever the hell it's called. Oh, but you know the learners are tied up in. Every damn thing that goes on around here. Whoever the hell does earn that, because they park across this entire city, right? Like northeast, southeast, northwest, wherever you are. If you're parking, it's that capital, whatever group, I hate them. They're the worst <laughs> people in this city, the absolute worst. Uh, I want my money back. $40 maybe, is absurd. Maybe you're paying the uh, Albert Pujols fee. Maybe that's what it is. Well, damn, he better play today then. I don't know if he's an everyday <laughs> kind of guy. I know he played yesterday, got a great standing ovation. He better play today if I'm paying $40 damn dollars to park.
1: Yeah. Moral of the story. Parking is ridiculous uh, here in our nation's capital. Got to take another time out. On the other side of this break, we'll get into some more of this Juan Soto stuff. Trade deadline coming up on Tuesday for the Nationals. Will he be a Nat? Will he not be a Nat after Tuesday? Want to hear from you guys on that. Do you want Juan Soto traded by the Tuesday trade deadline? Tap in with me. MGM National Harbor Listen lines, one 800 636 1067 Get at me on Twitter and Instagram as well, N-E-L-L underscore B-T-P. We'll be right back. This episode is brought
4: to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.